I got you. Do you have, uh, let me get video starting. All right, you got me? Excellent. How'd you get it working with Zoom out of curiosity? Oh, display capture? Makes sense. Hello. <laughs> I know, yeah. Pretty much, yeah, about a thousand square feet of living. Yes, he's currently not here. No, he he had to go home, so he's he's in a He's back home in Michigan. So this is a green point. It's um, rye whiskey, uh, catcher's rye is the one I used, and then green chartreuse and sweet vermouth. I can't imagine.
Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Mm -hmm. But it's not like, not as known as any of the IVs or something like that. So no, yeah, I'd agree, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah harvard for me a lot when i was searching for colleges a lot of it was about finding an environment that i felt like uh suited me and so there were a couple of the Oh no, yeah, I Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so the Ivy Leagues, especially and this was really notable with Harvard for me. Um Harvard had this very snobbish attitude. Um there was one year I spent in elementary school where I went to a private school, and my mom has told me the story many times of me coming home on the first day. and saying these kids aren't smart they're just rich and i had that same kind of at atmosphere when i walked when i went around the campuses of harvard and some of the other kind of bigger name universities and so it became a thing of i walked on and off the corner of harvard within 3 minutes like crossed literally one gate to another um in the 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 quad and was just very unimpressed because it felt like everyone there was very high and mighty with their opinions of themselves and I didn't get that same atmosphere out of some out of the schools that I did end up applying to and really liked. U Chicago is one of the ones again where everything felt like people were interested in learning for the sake of learning and that was more in line with what I was looking for and by contrast some of the IVs just did not feel that way. perfect timing. Yeah, I literally just finished what I was saying. <laughs> oh no. They can hear you. Okay. That might be a thing with um audio sources in OBS. Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah, that would do it. <laughs> yeah. And I saw you were also doing this live on Facebook, so I saw that.
Okay. Okay. That should bring us live. Excellent. Um, you're audible. Yeah, I, um, I, I guess I'm going to just test this real quick. You know what? I mean, this is what live videos are like. So I'm, uh, <laughs> hopefully it uh, <laughs> doesn't go this bad in the future. Hang on. Yeah, no, we're good. I mean, this is what live videos are like. Oh, there we go. Oh. oh, yeah, I'm very familiar with technical difficulties there. being a thing. What's that? I'm really familiar with technical difficulties being a thing. Yeah, there we go. So it's like a whole new thing. Um, if you are just joining us and you can actually hear us, um, this is a new podcast about career, culture, and creativity. Matt Rossi joins me since, uh, who basically I've just known since he was eight years old. Uh, he won a, basically won a radio contest, and um, I took him backstage at House of Blues, and then um, I just sort of hung around his family for... My gosh. I mean, so you were eight. You're 23. Yes, um, I was 15 years. 15 years ago. My gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have quite that beard when he was eight, by the way. No, was... I was much shorter hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so actually let's talk about um, – as we talk about career. So you're with – I don't know if you want to say on camera or not. You're with a yeah, pretty major – yeah, company, yeah, but you're, you're with a big consulting company. Yeah. Um, and basically you're in financial analysis would be a good way to say it. Would that be a, a good way to sum it up? Yeah, I'm financial analysis and like business analysis as a whole. Yeah. Um, so when we – we talk, there's all these conversations about privilege, blah, you know, and, well, yeah. I guess I just sort of showed my hand there, but I'm like <laughs> privilege, um, you know, but the, the studies show that, you know, if you have parents who stay together, first of all, you have a tremendous advantage in life. You will make more money. You'll be less likely to go to prison, less likely to, you know, do drugs and alcohol. Um, people don't screw up your lives and, you know, marriages and relationships okay uh but your parents were just down here um because your mom came down basically like buy paint and fabric with my wife and your dad and i drove around in the car and let the baby nap (laughs) Um, (laughs) but they told me when we were grabbing dinner that when you were three and four years old they were teaching you numbers already um with playing cards you know so like you know seven of hearts that's a seven um, yeah, we played a uh, war back then. Yeah, uh, and well, they said even even teaching you numbers, like yep. at dinner, just flipping through number identification. Um, yeah, I mean, there's such a nature versus nurture thing there. Um, I mean, your your dad again is a very good friend of mine, very smart. Um, in the field of math, I mean, you definitely have lapped him several times. <laughs> I would <laughs> <Yeah>. say, <laughs> and I mean, you know. I, there's kind of a thing of like, would you have been that good if your parents hadn't had you going on that? I have no idea. Um, but we see a lot of second generation pro athletes. So I don't, you know, you know, where the the knowledge base is handed down. And then sometimes the kids better than the parent in the NBA or NFL or something like that. Right. Or, um, you know, in the case of, uh, the current catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, the youngest brother wound up being the best pro baseball player because he kind of got to learn off what his older brothers did, you know, from little league through pro. What's that? Who's that again? Oh, Yadi, Yadi Yadier Molina. Yeah. Um, so Yadi, Benji, and there's a third one Yeah. and they all played pro. 
Um, uh, but yeah, I mean that, that hit pretty hard for, had to have hit pretty hard for you pretty early that you started to just digesting the stuff pretty quickly. Right. Did, did you always kind of think in numbers, I guess? Like, do you remember that? As far as I can remember, I've definitely had a mindset oriented toward numbers. I, I recognize patterns in numbers in just about everything to this day. And I've always kind of played mental number games since I was a little kid. Um, when I'm when I'm driving, for instance, my car's got one of those like uh, digital speedometers that tells you the exact miles per hour that you're going. And if I glance down and see that and see how many miles left I've got until empty, I'll start running numbers on that. Um, like, oh, I've got I'm going 40 miles an hour. I've got 280 miles till empty. I can drive for 70 seven hours before I need to worry about something. Things like that are just always running. Yeah. By the way, he lives in downtown Chicago. So um, when uh, when he says when he drives, he means once a month to go get his hair cut in the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the transition to um, uh, to uh, you know the working world for you. Um, so you got out of a um, a really competitive college environment. Uh, I mean, uh, the last couple of years were pretty tough, right? You yeah. Chicago. Oh. Gosh, the last couple of years were really tough. Yeah. Um, so you get through the math degree out of there and uh, you you really pulled something up. Um, by the way, not to make this all personal side stories, but we went to your graduation and my daughter puked all over me. Um, <laughs> and so I wound up just walking around in like a gray T-shirt. <laughs> like, I remember. It was a very prestigious school. I'm just like, hey, everybody. <laughs> I just love the photo that someone uh, – that- one of us caught of as I was walking by you while you were holding her on my way to get my diploma. Oh yeah. I tried to jump out of your arm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was always so intimidated and I feel like I've been pretty intimidated in my career up until maybe the last couple of years. Once I started to get into situations where I got to be a part of projects with the really major corporations, um, and I found out that like I wasn't, I guess, less than, or that these people that you know that maybe had really high level titles weren't, but they're good at their jobs, but they weren't another species than I was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I was like, oh, okay, so they're they're pretty much just like me. Maybe they got some more experience or something like that. I just remember being twenty two, twenty three, and just being like, how am I ever gonna, you know, measure up some of these people I've met that are so smart and I can't pull this off? They've got something I don't. Were you intimidated walking into a job for the first time or? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I always assume even, you know, I've been working at the company I'm at for a little bit over six months now. Um, even now when I'm getting onto new projects and meeting new people and stuff, I always assume like these people know so much more than I do. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm about to meet like a senior manager. He probably, you know, could get me fired if he wanted to things like that. And I just walk in there assuming, you know, they know everything. And yeah, I'm definitely starting to pick up the same thing that you just said of, okay, no, these are a lot more like normal people and I can catch up with you, like a lot of this. Yeah. Um, yeah and, you know, being 37, um, I have worked in about every environment that I think you probably can. I've worked in kind of corporate environments. I've worked in nonprofit. I've worked in higher education. I've worked in media. Um, and, you know, in every case, I always thought there were people who were going to just be um, just killing themselves to get ahead. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but what I've often found, no matter where I've worked, is that uh, on the whole, there's a few people like me who are 
just going to do a good job because they're doing a good job. And whatever that takes, that takes, you know, if I got to, um, within, it's different now that I have a family, but it's like, if I got to pull all night or if I got to work over the weekend, um, I'll still do that stuff with a family, but I have to have a, a few more guardrails. I thought that jobs were going to be like that. Um, because sports were like that and academics were like that. And instead what I found was that, um, a lot of people just kind of want to do enough to have a job. <laughs> Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Has that been your experience or have you found, you know, a, a really prestigious company to be more competitive or I'm going to be honest. That's my mindset is I just really want to work enough. Like I, I am not one of those people who is live to work minded. I am much more of, I want to make enough money to live and to, to enjoy, you know, going to bars with friends, buying a cool new musical instrument, something like that. Just um, actually my roommate once said it really well. I like having enough money to have toys. I don't really care about the trappings of wealth, as he put it. It's yeah. just like, I want to have enough money to get by and to have, you know, nice things every now and then. Yeah. Um, and so for me working, it's not like I'm willing to do the, if I need to be on a meeting at 10 PM or 6 AM, I'm glad to do it. But I am much more of the, I'm going to get everything I need to get done, done. And then, like, I will get everything asked done that's asked of me. And if I'm done at 4 p.m. and no one needs me after 4 p.m., I'm just going to sign off for the day. Yeah. And you're in a you're in an environment where the brain power, it's kind of a brain power collective. So you have that opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. um, not everybody's going to have that. I would say, man, I'm both in a space where... I, I really want more margin because, um, you know, I, I was working for myself for about two years before this and that was working until, um, the company my wife was working for got seized by the police and the bank because the owner was, um, allegedly committing a lot of fraud. <laughs> um, and yeah. And so, you know, Amanda got laid off at five months pregnant and we lost our health insurance and second income. And basically I took a bunch of garbage work, um, and clients I should have been working with doing marketing uh, in order to pay the bills. And I was still actually doing okay as far as like what my tax return said. Um, mm -hmm. But I wound up working sometimes 30 hours at a time before going to bed. And it's just like, okay, I don't have any margin left over. Uh, and so what I tell people like, oh man, I think I might want to start a business or something like that. What I would say to somebody right now, I would never do it again unless I had eight months of cash in the bank. Um, and, uh, even right now it's like just in the young kid stage of life, I just don't want to make the sacrifice. Um, the average successful founder is like in their mid forties anyway. So everybody feels like if they don't do it at 23 or 27 or whatever, it's not going to happen. And I'm just like, you have like, you got so much time. Um, do you really want to work 80 hours a week through your twenties? And, um, because I tell you what, you will find that your friend group, which is so robust right now, man, it, by your late 20s, it starts to thin a bit. By your 30s, you've really got to work at it. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, once, you know, most people have kids and have more intense careers, like if you do not plan stuff, um, you know, you're, you're just not going to have friends. And, um, you know, that's not healthy for a, a lot of reasons. And one of them being if you're married, um, you, you kind of can't put that much pressure on your spouse to be your only friend. You're going to drive them crazy. 
know? <laughs> Nobody was meant to hold up the weight of your personality. Um, and, you know, so when I think back to where I was at, I, part of me is like, oh, man, I wasted so much time. I could have. I say that I had two master's degrees and was teaching at the undergraduate level by age 27. Um, and I still don't think I did enough in some ways because I'm kind of like that. But, you know, I did have a lot of free time and now I have a lot less, but I'm glad I had it. And I, I realize that I only have friends now because I had a lot more free time to go have fun then. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, you know, I guess what's challenging and what's interesting is so different at different points, right? So to me, now I want to work on ideas because I enjoy them. You know, um, I'm working on flipping my, uh, basically taking the um, the hunting business over. That There's an, an outside company that leases my family's land and leases it to deer hunters. I want to take that over um, because I care about the family farm. But just because it's interesting, like I think I can do it, and that's more of a fun business for me. That as long as the the um, uh, <laughs> my college roommate said <laughs> that, especially me, as far as the personality thing, I would drive one person crazy. <laughs> hey, Chris. Uh, uh, but it, you know, but it's different. Would that would I have enjoyed the idea of working on that as much ten years ago as I do now? Not really. Um, it's sort of like this, the thing about getting a dog. It's like, well, once you're going to have a kid, you might as well get the dog because you're going to be home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so once you're home, you can, you know, you can do some other stuff. Um, all right. I find what you said really interesting about, you said that you're really doing things that you find interesting or fun now. Like, yeah. Whereas you might not have necessarily done that in the past. Yeah. I feel like I have taken that approach just kind of even, I mean... I've only been in the working world six months, so I can't say that this is going to be my approach for the long run. But lately, like I've been teaching myself how to code, for instance, not because I'm worried about it being a practical work experience or useful for getting a future job or anything, um, but just because, hey, this is really fun. And it's it's been an approach for me a lot lately of, I want to do this because this is something that I find really interesting and on top of that, it's been fun to learn, and I've been trying to figure out ways that I can apply it to my day-to-day -day life. Like, okay, here's how I'm going to use this integrated with just me using the computer casually, um, yeah. simplify things. Or here's how I'm going to use it with watching the stock market and, you know. Well, I we need to talk about the stock market, but, um, oh, gosh. Uh, you know, you can say that you want to learn to code. Um but and I could say that to you if uh, you were like a coal miner that you should learn to code. Um, but if I said it to you uh, and you were a journalist who got laid off, that gets you banned off Twitter. Oh, that does. Yeah. Hopefully, um, I'm not a journalist. And yeah, but uh, it's like I wonder if it's if it's is it a joke if you have to explain it. Um, okay, so just so you know, you out there in who might be watching on Twitter where I might get flagged for this. Um, there were all these journalists that wrote pieces about how coal miners should learn to code as like coal mining was supposed to go away or whatever. Um, it, it hasn't as of um, tonight. I mean, I don't know what the, tomorrow holds, but right now we still have coal. Uh, and then some of the journalists who were writing these pieces got laid off. And after telling these coal miners, they should learn to code. Um, 
people were tweeting at them learn to code to go get a job and people were getting banned from Twitter for saying their own words back to them because Twitter is just a complete garbage fire. Um, yeah. At all times. Even though I don't know why I still use it. You know what? I, I can tell you why I use it. And um, by the way, Jack Dorsey, the founder, grew up actually really close to my neighborhood, which is kind of oh, interesting. Really yeah, funny. it's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> as I trash it, I'm like, <laughs> it's a net negative for the world. But the guy who made this terrible thing that makes all of our lives worse, he grew up near where I live. <laughs> and also John Hamm. It's like, grew up like two miles oh, that way. That's really weird. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool. I mean, you know, actors have to come from somewhere, I guess. That's true. Um you mean they're not grown out of test tubes <laughs> i don't even know why that's funny but it is um no you know as as far as learning technical skills like that um you know to me the more you can add to your repertoire the better off you are i have started to learn some cybersecurity stuff um you know quite frankly as a way to hopefully kind of integrate that into my day job um and uh you know maybe uh maybe take that to the company and say you know, fraud is going to get a lot worse. Do we maybe want to, you know, want to offer some stuff around here? It's just, I haven't even brought up it at work yet. Um, by the way, if you're watching this, you haven't talked to me for a while. I work for a marketing agency in St. Louis. Um, but if you are always expanding your skills, you are going to be a lot better off because just the, the odds that you're going to do one thing now for like the next 10 years are just not real great. Yeah. Um, so not saying you got to do that, but learn more stuff. Um, and you're going to be a lot better off. And uh, it, I bet you probably wish you had been learning more stuff because uh, the unemployment rate is skyrocketing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really concerning to see that happening. Yeah, you know, I'm trying not to do a whole lot of news, man, because it's kind of what the point, what's the point to get stressed out every single day. Like, I'm trying to stay off YouTube as much as possible, which is where I get a lot of my news. Trying to stay off podcasts. Just listen to audiobooks and stuff when I'm, you know, walking Ava because, or music, um, because it's like, do I really need to have despair every day over, you know, the stock market? Or should I just kind of wisely throw in a little bit of money here and there as I can, throw a little bit of money into crypto as I can, um, realizing that, uh, you know, now is a great time to buy as opposed to just sitting there fretting, which... I mean, yeah. thank God I'm in a, you know, I'm in a company that's doing well through this. Um, and I don't take that for granted at all. Uh, but it's easy to still feel like even if you're okay right now and you got a job and there's food in the fridge and the bills are paid, it's still easy to feel like you're in like Poland in World War II and the Nazis are going to come slaughter everybody when it's not that bad. That's really true. Yeah. Um you know, so that, that's what I'm trying to do is stay off of it. Uh, so you have you've kind of basically been playing with the idea outside of work of like how to do more of a, uh, a mathematical analysis of the stock market, right? Yeah. So I, I find the stock market really interesting ever since I guess since I really started taking statistics seriously because I used to hate statistics, but realizing that it's pretty not predictable in the sense of I can tell you that tomorrow it's going to go up or something, but it's predictable in the way that it's going to behave in a pretty random, but predictably random manner. Um, I feel like there's ways there have been, I would put money down, honestly, um, and like make a bet that someone out there has already figured out 
how to automate the stock market to such a point where they're making obscene amounts of money and we just don't know about it because the second they reveal this information they're losing all of that edge on the market yeah by the way let me say this you're gonna see all these facebook and twitter and instagram ads for like these like mastermind classes for like i can teach you how to start a business or i can teach you to be rich or you know play the stock market or whatever first of all i just heard about somebody in my own life that um basically lost all their money trying to day trade like that so number one don't, don't number do two if they were actually that good at it why would they go tell you yep um why are they not just starting infinite businesses which pays way better than selling you a stupid 120 dollars class yeah the the best way that i would recommend learning how to do the stock market is first practice and just like paper trade watching it and doing it without money but putting in putting in fake money essentially there are a lot of brokerages now that'll let you open a paper account and make fake like trades that just don't actually exist in the real world and so you can see how your ideas are working um and second read read finance textbooks they're they can be really boring but a lot of knowledge comes out of those that aren't like here's my instant one year get rich quick scheme it's you know just tried and true methods that have made it to academia um there's lots out there yeah Mm. and i would even argue you don't have to be that good at it um so how much do i know about crypto um not a ton i enjoy um following podcasts and following different youtubers and stuff about cryptocurrency and, and reading about it um, so I'm not that great at it, but I like, I know when the line does this to go ahead and buy some stuff and it's like already doing this, yep. you know? Um, so I'm having a pretty good week with Bitcoin, Ethereum and, uh, and ripple just cause I put money in it. What looks like it was probably the bottom of the market. Um, now I'm just not stressed about it because I think Bitcoin's going to go way, way back up. Um, mm-hmm. so I just got to sit there and, um, hang out and it's like, do I know why? Um, I know that Bitcoin tends to do pretty well when the world is unstable. Um, and um, so I bought some when the world was unstable. <laughs> uh, you know, the last time it spiked was global instability. I can't even explain to you really how the blockchain or anything like that works. Um, I just have to be enough of a generalist to realize that, like, you know, uh, I even the cash app, which is what people use to pay each other their bar tab or split a pizza or whatever. You can buy stocks right in there. Um, go buy Southwest Airlines. Uh, and I know nothing about Southwest, any. Th- yeah, um, Delta. I this is a this is a bold claim I'm going to make here, and I, I will not take responsibility if you lose money taking this advice. But um, Sunoco, the oil company, they are really far down, and there's no reason they're not going to bounce back up once the market starts stabilizing again. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, I. People are like, oh, I don't understand it. You don't, it's so easy now. You don't have to understand it. You just have to have the discipline to put a little bit of money away. Um, and again, if you're like, oh, well, you know, what do you know about it? I don't know. I went to junior college. I was a third string, third of the worst basketball player on my junior college team. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the, 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 that's the reason I'm not on like Fox Business or CNBC giving this advice right now. What I do know is that these, um, this little small town near where I'm from, there was a group of um, like blue hair old ladies that, that wound up with a best-selling book called the Beardstown Ladies Investors Club. And what they did, um, and they wound up like a New York Times bestseller and on TV and everything. 
they just bought stocks a little bit at a time at stuff they knew and then like stuff they liked. So it was like, you know, a grocery store item or something like that. They'd be like, you know what? I really think that, um, you know, whatever pick sweet frozen vegetables are actually better than, um, uh, than the, uh, green giant ones. So I'm just going to go buy 20 bucks worth of stock in that this month. And they did this for like years and they knew, they knew nothing traditionally about the stock market. They just bet on what they believed in. Uh, and they made like a pile of money. <laughs> My favorite thing is people have run the simulations and also done this in real life. Um, if you just let monkeys literally pick your socks by just like randomly pointing at newspapers and stuff like that, <laughs> they consistently outperform portfolios that people put like hours and, or like days and days of thought into. Like they, they make like double the returns of any portfolio at the very minimum. Yeah, um, <laughs> I wonder how long, like, if we don't have sports for um, a couple more months, that is going to be covered on ESPN, like, just monkeys pointing at newspapers. <laughs> I mean, have you heard about the, the Marvel runs that are being on ESPN now? Oh, okay, so they were on Twitter. Are they actually doing that on ESPN? I think that's going to be, I, I actually have seen it on the Ocho, but this was back in, like, September, <laughs> August. So it wouldn't surprise me, though, because I know... Like, Classic Tetris has been on ESPN before. It wouldn't surprise me if they start putting some of that stuff on there. Yeah, well, there's some sort of virtual racing league. It's, like, sort of, like, NASCAR video game that they're they're yeah. doing something with right now. Actually, let's talk about streaming, because I've started to stream, and I'm probably going to get back to streaming video games. You were on this pretty early, man. I mean, what were you, oh, 14, yeah. 15 years old? I was um, 16 when I started doing my annual Myriathon, or at the time annual and now biannual myriathon stuff and then i really got into streaming as a hobby when i was i want to say 17 yeah um the so you're pretty early on on this now video game streaming first of all uh it is i mean they they own the 12 and under market i mean like you know uh i mean disney channel and all these other kids entertainment companies are losing their minds because they can't figure out how to compete with youtubers targeting you know, targeting content towards kids is pretty good. Yep. And then just video game streaming. Like, they cannot figure it out. So you were right there. And I feel like one of the things that happens when you're, you know, a teenager and in your early 20s, you just have a lot more open space. So if you're a fairly analytical person, you can spot trends um, pretty easily. Now that this is a thing where, you know, you've got um, Ninja, the biggest streamer in the world right now, you know, making appearances on the Ellen show. Like, how did you know this was going to be a thing? I honestly didn't. Um, At the time, I was like any, you know, 13, 14 year old um, watching YouTube channels, watching people do, you know, Let's Plays and stuff like that on YouTube. Um, And then I found out about like live streaming gaming and stuff particularly what what has always had my interest is speed running beating video games as fast as possible yeah um and i you know was really fascinated by it started watching s- streams on twitch of like classic zelda games being speed run um when i was 15 and then kind of decided hey i think i can do this with some games and decided why not let's start trying this whole streaming thing out yeah um you know facebook is into it now so that you'll notice that you can actually watch people play video games on facebook um Mm -hmm. the uh the kid that won the Fortnite championship was a year or two ago was 16 he won three million dollars the um the 
classic Tetris World Champion, which is something that I, I've been, and if anyone that follows me on Twitter is watching this, they will know how much I am into classic Tetris. Um, the World Champion used to be this, I want to say he's in his 30s, so around the same age as you, um, guy who was a really good Tetris player. And then it blew up on YouTube out of just some meme video. And now the world champion is a 17-year-old, and he's won it two years in a row. Dang. And it just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those things where if it's not – I mean, maybe it's just never going to be your thing. The NFL is never going to be some people's thing. Um, you know, whatever is never going to be – romantic comedy is never going to be some people's thing. So just because you don't like one of those things on the list doesn't mean that that's, that doesn't have a huge audience – um, what I think is is really interesting about it is um, just the idea that that essentially you can become a, a personality or a broadcaster just on technical skills and even just being able to make commentary on something. And so when I stream, I tend to just talk about you know I call it the adulting gamer. I tend to just talk about like you know life skills, career development, basically what I'm doing here, uh, <laughs> and that's really resonated with people. Um, and they kind of like having the you know, kind of the visuals to. Um, to hang out with. Um, one of the things I will dunk on is that the the school I transferred to for my you know for the majority of my college career after I blew up my knee and ended my junior college basketball career, um, Olivet Nazarene University has a. Uh, I started meeting with uh, some of their people a couple of years ago, trying to get the, a bug in their ear about getting a competitive esports program going. Uh, and uh, you know that they're in their first year, uh, scholarships and everything. So if you're a high school gamer. Uh, you might want to check them out, but uh, this is going to be something where um, the actual like spectators, you know, show up for it. Um, you know, as more and more yeah. colleges get it. My, uh, um, uh, a guy that I know from work, who's his youngest son is is nineteen or twenty, I think now. Um, they went to some like they were just happened to be doing college tours in Florida. And it happened to be near one of the big League of Legends tournaments, you know, esports. Yeah. And he was telling me about going to that event because his son just really wanted to go to it. And it was just like, wow, there are like it was literally like a United Center, you know, basketball stadium sized arena full of people just watching this. It's yeah, it's become a spectator event. Yeah. The um, you know, the uh, the Fortnite championship sold out the Barclays Center. Yeah. Um, so let, let's, let's kind of, cause I'm going to have to land the plane here just because I got to, um, I still got to work tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. PowerPoint. Oh, um, goodness. you know, so you're, you're in a, a company. We'll just put it this way. It's a lot of people's dream to work for this particular company. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people that are going to be asking questions about career switches right now. Um, I think a lot of times when I've gone uncertain, I've been like, well, what's the crappiest job I can get? What's the worst job? Because I can probably get it. Um, and that's not the right mentality because if you're going from something, you get laid off, you try to step down the ladder, they're not going to take you seriously. They're going to be like, why do you want to, you know, why do you want to do this? It's like, well, because it seems safe and I'm sick of getting rejected in job interviews, I guess. You know, it's like... <laughs> Yeah. Why are you still with that girl who like, you know, steals money out of your checking account? It's like, well, because I don't want to be lonely. It's like, yeah. you know, nobody respects either one of those scenarios, right? Yeah. Um, but being a competitive company, I mean, it it certainly helps that you know, um, 
you came out of a really, really difficult college program. Um, and that definitely sets you up to win because that's their screening tool. Right. Um, but I mean, you're in your first job, you're one year out of college, but what have you noticed about people who do get hired or how people set themselves apart to get into pretty competitive positions? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I guess I feel like a lot of the people I know who are, who got hired at the same time or around the same time that I got hired, um, either they're really smart um, and that shows through with their applications at work. Like they just know, they know a lot and they're able to adapt quickly or on the other hand, they're go-getters and they're, you know, um, there's someone I know uh, at work who like, she's pretty smart. She was a, I think Michigan state alum and she, she constantly, you know, talks about how she's not that bright but what I've noticed with her is she is always taking on more responsibilities. Um, she's always asking people around the, at the company for more things to do. If she's got like five minutes of downtime, she's going to find someone to give her something to do. Um, even if it's, you know, not at all aligned with what she wants to end up doing. Um, and that kind of attitude I think has really shown through a lot in people at the company. Um, and it really attracts a lot of attention from what I've seen is just being willing to continue asking for more and adding more to your plate so that you're not just sitting around, sitting on your hands, doing nothing. Yeah. Well, even to that, if, you know, when we kind of got back to just be growing your skill set all the time, uh, certainly IQ, there is a range that has to do with your birth or, um, you know, it, it, as horrible as it is to think about your, you know, just just basics, basic needs being met as a a very young kid, um, you know, being able to have regular nutrition and stuff like that. Uh, you know, everybody's got a, everybody's got a range they can be in. Uh, but I believe the studies show that you can move your IQ about 30 points in either direction, um, Mm -hmm. by either working a lot at learning new things and, you know, pushing yourself or just by sitting there smoking a ton of weed and playing a lot of video games, like, you can move it in one direction or the other. Um, and so, you know, your friend, you know, saying she's not that intelligent, you know, and maybe she's at the bottom of the pack. I mean, maybe she was this fall when you guys all started. Um, Could be, yeah. That, you know, I mean, and then maybe she lapsed everybody within 18 months because she puts the work in. Yeah. I could um, definitely see that being the case in, in a year, yeah. Or... Yeah. I mean, because honestly, IQ is nothing without um, – you know, I've heard it put this way that focus is also the new IQ. Yep. So if you can't stay on something in a world of distractions, it doesn't matter how much potential capacity you have. Um, and the other thing is if you're just a moron, <clears throat> um, it doesn't matter how smart you are. People are eventually going to get sick of you. So, um, you know, as somebody who's done a, a good bit of writing in, in film and, you know, has a bunch of contacts in LA, you know, the world where you used to be able to just be a complete jerk because you were really good at something does not exist anymore um, because of social media and, you know, and websites at Glassdoor and stuff like that. You now will get just um, hammered to the wall. And you know, back when you used to hear about the, even these actors and stuff just being complete morons, um, it just doesn't happen anymore. Catherine Heigl, who's on Grey's Anatomy, who was, you know, kind of a budding movie star she became so difficult to work with. It ended her career because just nobody would. Um, Same thing. You, you can't be smart enough to get ahead now (laughs) if you're not other things too. Yeah. 
you have to have you definitely have to have like a very I don't even know if amiable personality is the right word for it, but just you have to be able to get along with people and have some kind of I would say social intelligence is just as much is just as important, if not more important than um, like logical cognitive kind of intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I got to. I probably gotta land the plane here in uh, in just a minute, um, which is kind of a good, probably a good stopping time for both of us. But um, yeah. you know, if you just want to kind of shout out like your, um, you know, your your streaming stuff, and then maybe if you can recap, um, you know, why people should at least start to learn the stock market right now. Oh yeah, um, sure. So, when... so streaming stuff. If you, I guess if you use Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at Snarky Trad. Um, I'm kind of involved in catholic twitter but i'm kind of just talking about whatever i find interesting um but more important than that uh i run a a streaming group with a bunch of friends called the myriathon um and we've got a twitch the myriathon we've got a twitter um we've got a community discord server if you know what that is and want to get involved um we're raising money currently to help uh, a charity doing some fighting against uh or not fighting against, but like relief efforts for maybe you've heard about the pandemic going on around the world. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we're, we're supporting direct relief and raising money for that. And any amount of money helps if you want to get involved directly and you're a streamer, we welcome everyone. Um, And so that's the Myriathon. And uh, yeah, then stock market stuff, I guess. If you want to get involved, if you want to start learning the stock market, just pay attention, like like you talked about, Seth. Pick a few things that you already know about, brands that you already know, um, services, industries that you find interesting, and start just watching a few things here and there and making, like, pay atten- baseline attention to the news. Um, don't day trade because day trading will take you to financial ruin. Um, and just, yeah, be very, you know, aware of what's going on around the world and see what's going on in the news, see what's going on in those things that you find interesting. Um, and there's, you can pay attention to trends. I mean, buy low, sell high is never a wrong mentality to take. Yeah. Um, and don't ever worry about, Oh, I lost, you know, I lost through 3% on this stock and I'm never going to make this back. Don't try to make it back up. Um, that's just going to lead you to making bigger and bigger risks that won't pay off. It's the, the exact same person. This is the exact same thing as a person who can't walk away from the craps table. Yeah, uh, that's how they lose their house, right? Um, and it, I would say too, just on this investing thing, because I'm pretty interested in it right now. Um, just because we just bought a house <laughs> three weeks before the world ended, um, which actually, you know, I don't regret because I cannot imagine trying to do a self quarantine in 900 square feet, like I said, with a toddler. Who has a ton of energy and a dog and a cat and you know my my wife and I um, uh, who who love being home together right now, um, but we might love it a little bit less if we were back in an apartment. <laughs> um, What's surprising, actually, just before you, say, I guess I don't want to interrupt. Oh no, go for it. Um, my roommate does real estate. The real estate market, for some reason, has not been hit too hard by this. So this is a good time to get invested in real estate. Like it's not crashing. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I would say like, just start a little bit. Um, you know, I, it's kind of the way that, uh, kind of weed budgeting and stuff is that, 
I don't do this right now because there's nowhere to go, but I would just put 25 bucks a week on a cash card, um, the cash app, and uh, use that basically for just like Chipotle or you know energy drinks or whatever. And then when that money was gone for the week, I just don't eat out lunch or whatever. Um, it's just a way to kind of keep your incidental spending in check. And so my goal was always to try to limit the stuff I bought out so that I could buy Bitcoin or a couple stocks or whatever. And I would literally buy $5 of stock or Bitcoin at the end of the week. Um, now, is that going to change my life like today? No, but if I keep building that habit um, and I keep, um, you know, uh, just basically maintain that behavior, I guarantee you that anybody's life that does that will will look pretty different um, in uh, you know in ten years. And then somehow I don't know how, but if you can say no to buying one more dumb thing and making a five dollar investment, it's easier to get up a half hour earlier and work out. Discipline is all connected somehow. Oh yeah, it's and it's definitely a thing. If you want to even do like the five dollars of investing just skip one one coffee cup a week like it's easy to you know skip coffee cups right now but during the normal you know once everything returns to normal skip one starbucks a week and that's five bucks that you've saved and you can start using that to put away into an into stocks yeah you know what man once i got this mentality um because i used to just that used to be a thing that we did a lot because we were within walking distance of a um, Starbucks. So I'd throw in a stroller and walk over there and get two coffees in the morning or two lattes or whatever. And once I realized that buying whole bean coffee, running it through the grinder and then having a couple tools at your house that are 20 or 30 bucks um, will pay for themselves in a week of being able to make way better coffee at your house. It tastes um, better and it's cheaper. Yeah. It's much, much, much cheaper. Um, you know, so all that stuff, uh, and I, I guess it also gives you some gives you something to be optimistic about and be focused on, um, as opposed to deciding that the world is ending every day. Um, society is not going away as far as if we we can tell. Um, if it does, I mean, my family's got five hundred cows, so I'm one of the richest <laughs> people in Illinois. If if we're in Walking Dead land here, <laughs> like, yeah, if, if it goes to that bad, I'm I'm doomed. A city <laughs> with like however many millions of people are in Chicago. <laughs> I'm gone. By the way, I uh, not not that we can handle a second dog right now, but I saw a podcast uh, episode about St. Louis um, Humane Society was um, uh, uh, you know doing like drive through adoptions where basically you could call and say I'll take this dog and they like load it into your back seat, which seems a little crazy to me because it's like you hadn't really met the dog or the cat or whatever. Um, but you know we have a rescue cat and a dog for a breeder and we love them both, um, but. You know, they had the Humane Society has all these chickens for adoption, and like the you know the stores are really short short on meat, not because there's a shortage, because there's people are hoarding, right? Yep. <laughs> and I wanted to be like, just call and be like, I'm gonna adopt all your chickens. <laughs> Start a farm. <laughs> no, or just no like, slaughter them and eat them right now. That's true. <laughs> we have a special home for them. It's called a deep freezer. <laughs> All right, that's a good note to end it on. Uh, I'm going to try to chop this up a bit, um, get some clips on YouTube if you want to share those. I don't know that it worked on Twitter, but definitely you'll come back on in a couple months and it'll work by then. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely. And, uh, I mean, Alex and I are doing our podcast, so if you ever want to be on it, once we start taking guests, we talk about – we use music as a segue into 
conversations about everything. Yeah. Um, so would be glad to have you on. Okay. All right. Cool, man. Um, I didn't get to any, I was normally going to do some, um, uh, YouTube videos and stuff. Uh, <laughs> such, <laughs> somebody just said such dark humor. <laughs> Only if you don't eat chickens. Like, if you're vegan, you can call that dark humor. But if you're not, I would say it's just um, it's what people do. For the most part, people um, see chickens as food. But have you seen that graphic? Oh, my gosh. Maybe we should end on this. The graphic of, like, um, the uh, – uh, like, the you know, how do you separate food from pet or whatever? Oh, we're going to pull this up, and then that's going to be the last thing. Um, okay. Oh, I can't think of what... I, I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of it in my head. Okay, you're totally off because I just shared the screen or whatever. But uh, people... Can... <laughs> <laughs> i to see this. Uh, so it says, all animals want to live. Where do you draw the line between pet and food? And so if you... <laughs> There's a line. And so... <laughs> Somebody wrote every day over cows, pigs, and chickens. <laughs> and it says economic collapse around horses and rabbits. <laughs> and then cats and dogs, it says apocalyptic afterscape. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. That's a good note to end That's on. That's the right ending. <laughs> All right, this is Seth Tower Herd and Friends. It's going to be a podcast audio. Not tonight because i got stuff to do. There is actually going to be a website with a uh, message board forum, which Matt, I'll talk to you about that later, um, where you can uh, make some connections around these topics, which uh, are career, culture, creativity, and life skills. Uh, he has been Matt Rossi. Uh, I guess he will continue to be Matt Rossi as well. Um, and yeah, uh, business analysts out of Chicago in his uh, first year of um, – the career world. So, um, yeah, we'll do it again, man. All right. Yeah, you bet, man.